Hello, and welcome to Life on Maine, a daily podcast of Life on Maine in Charlestown, New Hampshire, where we discuss living life on the main purpose as designed by God. I am Pastor Tim Golden, and on these podcasts, we focus on growing in relationship with God, maturing in the faith through His Word, stewarding our relationships with one another, as well as learning to make disciples as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each day highlights one of these facets of spiritual character, growth, and stewardship, so be sure to come back each day to grow a strong and healthy walk with the Lord. Now, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to show us today. Lord, we thank you for this time we have. We pray that you uh, inhabit our time together, that you'd speak into our hearts, into our lives, that, um, Lord, we'd come to a greater revelation of how awesome and what a great privilege it is to have a God that we don't have to seek to attain, but who has done all that's necessary to attain us. And uh, we just give this time over to you. Ask you to give Harold and I your words to be able to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. You know, one of the things, Tim, that I find interesting is when I, when I look in the scriptures, whether it be the Old and or the New Testament, that it never appears that the person seeks out God on their own. Hmm. That is always God seeking out the individual. Yep. Now, God does say to us, uh, if you seek, you will find me. You know, if you knock on the door, it will be open, and ask, if you ask, anything will be given to you. But that seeking, I think to me, would only be after God has already sought us out and the Spirit of God is still doing a prompting in our hearts. Right. So man does not naturally seek out God, do they? Not at all. Uh, not on our own strength, because not until, and, and it's a proven fact, even apart from Christianity, um, and I forget who it was that said, but something always stuck with me. It's like man doesn't change until it becomes more uncomfortable to stay where they are than it is to step into the area of change. And that's the way that we are. And as long as things are going good, we have no desire to change. We, we, we don't have any desire to seek out God. We like doing things our way. I, I like doing things mm-hmm. my way, you know. Um, except after walking with God for 50 years, I learned my way is not necessarily the best way. So I've learned that his ways are much greater than mine and much better than mine. Um, but left to my own devices without a God who had sought me out first, who sought to... Um, woo me to himself that sought to send his Holy Spirit to really tug at my heartstrings to orchestrate things in my life to make me see my need um, I wouldn't have I, I would have kept going my own way well one of the main reasons for that of course the scripture tells us is that men love darkness rather than light mm-hmm. therefore we like going our own way because we are naturally sinners that's mm-hmm. that's who we are that is a our, our natural being that's who who we became because of the fall of Adam and Eve. So what has to happen is God has to break through that natural tendency to want to live in darkness mm-hmm. rather than light. You know, and, and I just can't help but use the analogy of, of rats. I mean, you turn a light on, you get a bunch of rats, what do they do? They run and scurry all over the place. Well, that's the way that mankind is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was that way for two years before God finally broke down the wall of, of hesitancy and shown me what I needed to do mm. to have a changed life. So, I mean, I, I know all about um, resisting God. I know all about 
um, not wanting to follow exactly, especially the first time that he, you know, that he started tucking in my heart and I, I really wasn't sure what it was, but I knew that there was something that was happening and finally God revealed it to me in such a way that I couldn't resist yep. it and say no to it. So, so God seeks out mankind. Mm -hmm. And one of the neat things that is really interesting, and I think last week we touched on it, uh, on Jesus came to die, we touched on, for example, Matthew. Mm -hmm. And Matthew was a what? I mean, what tax did he collector. do? He was a tax collector, so he was not one of the most adored people there in the country. Right. I mean, I, I, our IRS agents look like Mother Teresa compared to him. <laughs> yeah, uh, Matthew was quite the character, yet God sought him out, called him, and immediately he dropped what he was doing and he left. And we find that in many instances that when, when Jesus came and spoke to them and said, follow me, that they would immediately drop and leave what they were doing and went and followed him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that doesn't always work that way. No. And I can attest to that because, like I said, there was some around two years that God was calling me out before I finally listened to him and sought him and came to an understanding what God wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Well, here in Luke chapter 19, I want to read verse 5, and, and the story has to do, or the account has to do, I like the word account instead of story because the story makes you think that it's a made-up tale. This is an account of God seeking out Zacchaeus. And it said, Behold, uh, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was of the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. So, so once again, he has, he has a couple of things against him, right? First of all, he was a chief. He was a, an authority. He was a leader. And he was very wealthy. So, I mean, you look at that and you say, well, now I do know of some, at least I've read of some real wealthy people who have come to know Christ as their Savior, and um, God just abundantly blessed him. You know, Colonel Sanders is one, for example, and, and there are so many others. The people who own Chick-fil-A, mm -hmm. you know, are others that, that uh, you know, you look at it and say, wow, these people have seemed like they got the world by the tail, yet God grabbed a hold of them and they trusted Christ as their personal mm -hmm. Savior. So you have Zacchaeus, who was a chief of the publicans, and he was rich. But this verse, verse 3, really got me because it said, And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. So I know what that means, to be little of stature. But, you know, I'm only 5'6", so I know what that means. <laughs> and, but it says that he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And... Does, does that mean that Zacchaeus on his own accord was seeking out Jesus? Because, I mean, he's a man who's a sinner like you and me and probably loved doctors like you and me. So why does this say that he sought out Jesus who he was? Well, I think it comes down to the fact of there's something in his heart. In fact, we see this with Christ over and over and over again throughout the Gospels. That especially whenever he encountered the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they would be kind of, Jesus would be doing these great things and then it would say, well, and then the Sadducees and the Pharisees were, you know, thinking, were, uh, had, had these attitudes, and it says that Jesus knew their heart, you know, and, and you see this, that terminology over and over again. And so Jesus knew where Zacchaeus was at. Uh, you know, the Father had already been working on him, you know, to quite a level, because it wasn't just that he was a chief, it was he was a chief tax collector, mm -hmm. which means you get to be a chief because you're really, really, really good at what you do. 
you're among the best. And as we mentioned last week to the people, so for those who didn't tune in, a tax collector in those days um, weren't, didn't just go about collecting taxes. They had to at least collect the taxes, but they could collect as much as they wanted to to line their own pockets. As long as the government got their cut, they didn't care. And so for him to be identified as a chief meant he, he appeared very, very successful at what he did. And he therefore was really crooked. But yet amongst that attitude, there was something in him, even amongst his selfishness, amongst his pride, there was something that was drawn to Christ. And that comes when we begin to see something of a need within our own lives. Because if he didn't see some sort of a need, if God hadn't began to reveal to him that there's something lacking in your life, he would have had no desire to really seek Christ out because he would have been convicted because undoubtedly the words of the sorts of things that Jesus taught about, I mean, we're in chapter 19 here. Right. A lot of Jesus' ministry has happened now. So word traveled about him and about the things that he would talk about and share. So when you know you're living a very, very crooked life like that, you don't want to be amongst the righteous, unless there's something that God has already been at work doing to help you see that you have a need there that has to be corrected. I think that over our ministry, and you mentioned this last week, that between the two of us, uh, we've got nearly a century's worth of following Christ. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what have we got? Maybe 70 years or 75, 70 years of serving Christ mm -hmm. in, that, in that respect. How many times have you heard, Tim, in your ministry or during your ministry that a person was curious? I'm curious about this Jesus you're teaching about. Mm -hmm. Or I'm curious about the change that has taken place in your life. I'm curious about why you worship this way as opposed to another way. I'm curious. And I think that that's what was happening with Zacchaeus. Yep. He was a curious person who, who wanted to hear more, wanted to see more. Mm -hmm as to what Jesus was doing and why he was doing it, maybe. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes almost wonder with Zacchaeus, or even with Matthew, but especially with Zacchaeus, where he was seeking Jesus out, is I sometimes almost wonder if his motive was, I want to seek him out and see if, is there anything I can tax him on? Is there anything I can get him on? But obviously he found out otherwise mm -hmm. and, and such. But, you know, but there was curiosity there. And we know that curiosity was great, because in verse 4 it says he ran before it, climbed him to a, a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. So he knew the trail or the, the, the path in which Jesus was going to take. He climbed up into a sycamore tree so he could see him because he was short in stature. And he was just very, so curious that, you know, he, he, he must do this. I've had people during my ministry where people are just so curious about what we teach at CCC or how we teach at CCC or whatever that they come to church on a Sunday to find out what is this all about? Why is it that you have a lot of cars all over the place? You up in the school lot and the upper lot, the lower lots and all that. Why do you have so many cars? And I've had people say that to me. You know, I came because I was curious. Well, I think maybe Zacchaeus was a curious cat. And, and you know, so he just climbed into the tree to see Jesus. Now, when Jesus had passed, this is one of the main verses I want to look at, when Jesus came, uh, came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him. Now, first of all, just the fact that Jesus looked up. Now, 
it didn't surprise Jesus that Zacchaeus was up in that sycamore tree, did mm -hmm. it? No. He already knew he was going to be there. Yep. You know, because he knows all things, and, and therefore he was very well aware. Jesus Christ was very well aware of his surroundings and everything around him. So he knew that Zacchaeus was going to be there, and he looked up and saw him. So he said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at your house. So what was Jesus doing to him? What was he doing to him while he was talking to him? Well, he was. He was talking to him. <laughs> um, but no, what he was doing is he was striving to get into a relationship with him. He was really seeking something of depth with this man. It wasn't to simply come and begin to say a bunch of religious um, jargon to him. It wasn't to preach a sermon at him. He wanted to get up close and personal. Mm-hmm. With Zacchaeus. Oh, sure. And so, therefore, he, you know, he he even invited himself, mm -hmm. if you will, into Zacchaeus's house. Yeah, I, I want to. I'm going to go to your house. I'm going to have a meal with you. I'm going to spend time with you. We're going to converse back and forth. And I'm sure Jesus knew that it was not just going to be, excuse me, be just a one-on-one -on -one relationship because wherever Jesus went, there was a lot of people who mm -hmm. followed. So, but. I find it very interesting that, that he invited himself to go to Zacchaeus' house. And, and it's just like, as I remember my salvation experience 50 years ago, so my mind is foggy. But as I remember that, I can now look back and picture the times or remember the times that God was tugging at me tugging at me, tugging at me, trying to get my attention, trying to, to get me to finally say, yeah, come home with me, you know, mm -hmm. come live with me or come abide with me, come, come be my Lord. I mean, he, he was constantly tugging at my heart and life. And I think that there's probably a lot of folks who are watching, Tim, who, who there's something tugging at them, but they're not sure what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, maybe it's just if something tugs at them to watch our program. Or maybe there's something tugged at them that, you know, they, they're passing through and all of a sudden they stop at Hotline Ministry and they watch it to see what are these two nuts talking about, <laughs> you know, and, and stuff. So, you know, Jesus goes and says to Zacchaeus, and, and I love what he says to him. First of all, make haste and come down. You know, come down quickly. You know, jump out of there and just come down because you and I are going to have an encounter. And... I find that so wonderful that the God of the universe, now we're talking about Jesus Christ, but Paul tells us in Colossians 1.16 that Jesus Christ was the God who created all things, and by him all things exist and has its existence. Mm -hmm. So here's the God of the universe who has made all things, and by him all things exist and, and stays in existence, calls up to Zacchaeus and say, you make haste, come down, I'm going to go to your house. Mm -hmm. What an invitation. It is. And what, but what he was really doing is he was really addressing a need that he knew he had. Because as, as we, again, mentioned last week, that what the Romans did is the people they used to be tax collectors were not Romans. They used Jewish people. And Zacchaeus was one of them. Yep. Just as Matthew was. And so... They were like doubly evil in the eyes of the of the Jewish people because not only are you a tax collector, not only are you lining your own pocket, you are a traitor of sorts because we are Jews and you sided with the Romans on this.
just to make a name for yourself. And so you know that if there's one thing that probably never happened to him is somebody saying, hey, Zach, I'm going to come over and hang out with you today. They wanted nothing to do with this guy. He was ostracized from his community. And he, every time he'd walk into a room, there's probably people that walked out. So to have someone, anyone even, not to mention the one person, all of a sudden, you want to get a glimpse of this guy. There's something about him that's intriguing you. And then that one person, of all people, actually looks at you, can, makes eye contact, doesn't turn away, and then says, you know what? I so badly want to be with you, I'm going to invite myself to your house for dinner. Yeah. And I'm going to wait for the invitation to show you how much I want to be with you. Yeah. And that was huge for him. Yeah, I think one of the neat things, um, as, as you were sharing that, that I look at is Jesus being who he is, knowing what he knew and knows, probably knew that Zacchaeus in himself would not invite Jesus to his house. Mm-hmm. Now, there's probably several reasons for that, but to me, one of the big reasons is, look, I have no friends. Nobody wants to hang out with me. Hmm. Nobody wants anything to do with me. So why would I invite Jesus Christ, God, to come into my house? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's not going to want anything to do with me, Mm -hmm. especially me, a sinner. In fact, they even said that in verse 7, that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. I mean, how did people view him? Mm And if people viewed him that way, how was Jesus going to view him? Right, because here you're talking, the one that was the ch- a chief of sinners, yep. in a sense. And now you've got on the other side of the spectrum, and knowing that I am already viewed as a traitor amongst my own people, and now here's the one that Jews are feeling might be the next king yep. of them. So I'm the chief, in the opposite, I, I'm, we're like polar opposites yep. here. Yep. So all the more reason why he wouldn't think that he would want to have anything to do with them. You know, I, I find it interesting, and, and I don't know if you've ever had, had this happen to you, but, you know, maybe there's someone that you wanted to get close to, whether it be a male or a female, whatever, someone you wanted to get close to, and all of a sudden they start talking to you, and they say, hey, why don't you come over to my house? You know, and you look at yourself and say, wait a minute, I'm not in the league at all. I just got invited to their house. I'm going to make haste and go. Mm-hmm. Right. No matter what I have planned, yep. I'm going to drop those plans and do it. Well, Zacchaeus did that because Jesus said, make haste, come down. Verse 6, he made haste, and he came down, and I love the last part of verse 6. And he received him joyfully. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if I've ever had a person that I've had the privilege of sharing with them the Lord Jesus Christ and them coming to know Christ as their Savior, who, after they did it, would say to me, you know, I think I made a bad decision. I'm not glad that I did this. Can I take it back? (laughs) I don't know of anybody, you know, I've never had that happen in my ministry. So that people who come to know Christ, they come and they come to know him joyfully. Why? Why would would Zacchaeus come to know him joyfully? Or why would you accept him joyfully? Or why would I accept him joyfully? Well, I know who I am. Mm -hmm. And I know what I've done. Yet here is God willing mm-hmm. to call me out and say, hey, I'm going to give you a new life. Mm-hmm. With abs- and, and the big aspect of it, too, is that he did it with no condemnation. It was, I mean, here, here's a sinner of sinners, and it wasn't Jesus looking to him and saying, you know what? 
I'm going to come to your house today because there's some things you've got to get straightened out. That wasn't the attitude Jesus had. In fact, when we read through, we don't even see where Jesus preached anything in this passage, mm -hmm. you know. But what Jesus did is just simply out of love reached out to him. You know, and I, my mind goes to the woman that was to be stoned, right? Mm -hmm. The Pharisees brought before Christ. Who's, you know, yeah. What you know? What should we do here? And you know, Moses says we should stone her. And and Jesus, of course, had that great conversation. He said, "Well, let whichever one of you doesn't have any sin, let them cast the first stone." And Jesus goes up to her and says, "No, where are your accusers after they all left?" And she's like, "Well, they're nowhere to be found." He said, "Neither do I condemn you." Right. Right. Now just go and sin no more. You know, and it's it's not that he ever compromised his morals. It's not that he ever compromised the law. But what he always did is he always ministered in love everywhere he went. You know, I, I think to me that is one of the neat things, you know, because today we talk a lot about agendas. Mm -hmm. You know, the politicians have their agendas and, and religious people have their agendas and all those other kind of stuff. Well, Jesus Christ had one main agenda mm -hmm. and then a lot of sub-agendas after that. But his main agenda was to do the will of the Father. And what is... what? is, not only was, but is the main agenda of the Father. For people to come to know Jesus Christ so that they would become a part of his family. Again. Because we were meant to be. We were meant to be, yeah. Like when we talk about reconciliation. It's not just that, it's not like he's being greedy. We were supposed to be his. Yep. You know, and that's why he wants us back. Well, you know, I, I kind of, if we can just diverse for a second into this, you know, you have the prodigal son. Now, what did the prodigal son do? The prodigal son went and took his inheritance. He squandered it. He, he, he used it for, you know, liquor or loose women and all the other, everything in between and, and all of this. And yet the father, every morning, would run out to the top of the hill, gazing down into the valley, looking for his son. Mm -hmm. It, you know, not that you know, he, he wasn't going to hold it against him. He wasn't going to, to say, you're no longer my child. I don't want anything to do with you. God, even though we are all sinners, God never said, okay, that's the way it's going to be. I don't want you. Mm -hmm. He never did that. You know, he, he said, look, I've sent my son. He paid the price for you. Just believe him. Mm -hmm. Just believe him. And, and that is what we need to do. And Jesus comes and seeks for one purpose, that is to save us, mm -hmm. to save us, to call us out from, from the life in which we were living mm -hmm. and call us out from a life in which we were going to live after we died. By the way, we believe that after we die, we're not just in the ground and that's it. Mm. We don't believe in annihilation. Right. We believe that after we die, we're going to be more alive than ever whether it's alive in hell or whether it's alive in heaven, but we're going to be more alive than ever before. Yeah. You know, it's almost like our senses are going to even be um, greater, with a greater sensitivity, mm -hmm. you know, because of who Jesus has seen, the Shekinah glory of Christ, and seeing who he is, and yeah. the loved ones that, that, that they're, but we digress. But, you know, he goes and says, okay, make haste, come down, and it says, and received him joyfully. I love it that Zacchaeus did not back up here say to Jesus, wait a minute, my house is too dirty. Mm. You know, I've got some things laying on the coffee table that I don't want you to see. Why don't you give me an hour or two to clean up my act first? 
I've had people say that to me. Pastor Noise, I can't come to Jesus today because I got too much I got to clean up first. I praise God that Zacchaeus didn't use that escape route. Mm -hmm. Don't go to my house, I got to yeah. clean it up first. Well, you know what? When you're hungry enough, you'll eat anything. Yeah. You know, and, and when you're hungry enough for rela real relationship, when you're hungry enough for real acceptance and real forgiveness, everything else pales in comparison, you know? And, and so when all of a sudden that, that comes before you, and, and he may have thought, he may have maybe had second thoughts, maybe halfway towards the house, I don't know, but I, I believe that was a big piece of this, was just the, the mere fact that Jesus would want to hang out with him. Everything else, Paled in that. Yeah, yeah it, it paled in comparison. It, it didn't hold a torch to, to this incredible privilege and this incredible opportunity that I have to be able to be loved by someone for yeah. a moment. Yeah, you know, to me, that's me. You know, I, I can imagine now, here's Zacchaeus and Jesus walking down the, down the trail, you know, going to Zacchaeus' house, and we find in verse 7, and when they saw it, they all murmured. You know, can you imagine what the crowd was calling out to Zacchaeus as, as he and Jesus were walking down the trail to go to his house? Hey, Zacchaeus, you have no right to be with him. Hey, Zacchaeus, you're the worst person going on. Hey, Zacchaeus, you're this. How many people, and even maybe in our own life, at least I know that in my life, I got saved my junior, senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. All right? It was the summer of my senior year in high school. Mm -hmm. So when I went back to the high school, my senior year, God had already started doing a change, mm -hmm. a dramatic change. So that when I went back to my high school, all my friends were saying, I don't know, you know, he, he got into something weird this summer because, I mean, he's different. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went, to, I went to my guidance counselor, I went to my sub-principal and asked him, Mr. Johnstone, hey, can I start a Bible study in, in school? And he looked at me and he said, you know something, I'm going to let you do it because we've seen the difference. Mm -hmm. What an amazing thing. Yet people murmured, people complained, people griped, people yelled, you know, you're weird. I lost a lot of friends because, of what I thought were friends, because I had trusted Christ as my personal savior. Yeah. Well, my question would be this, who's really got the purer heart in this story, even at this point? I mean, let, let, let's forget about the fact that Zacchaeus for a moment is, you know, the actions that he had has done right up until this point. Yep. At this very moment in time, you've got a man by the name of Zacchaeus who knows he has no right to have Jesus in his home. Jesus is invited, and he has been willing to humble himself to the point to, because it, it really required him to swallow a lot of pride yep. in that moment to accept that um, <laughs> invitation, if you will, for, for Christ to come in. And so he really humbled himself and to be able to be with Christ. But, in, but then you've got everybody else that's exalting themselves. And basically they're murmuring. What they're saying is you, not just you don't have a right. I have more of a right to be with him yeah, than you do. I'm not as bad as you are. Right. And, and so really who is the one that in their heart, why we call it heart line, yeah, right? Right. <laughs> who in their heart is closer to Jesus? Was it Zacchaeus or was it the crowd? The crowd may have been closer in proximity, but Zacchaeus's heart was really closer yeah. to him. Yeah, you know, and to me that is, that is the key to the whole thing is, is, in my view at least, as I say, it does not say it 
directly in this, but certainly in my view, there must have been a working of the Holy Spirit of God in Zacchaeus's life. Whether Zacchaeus knew it or not, mm -hmm. there had to have been something going on in his heart and life to draw him to even seek out Jesus, to want to see him. Whether it's curiosity to see how he does his miracles or whatever the case may be, you know, God will use that, that curiosity even to yeah. show and to draw you ever closer. What I find so interesting is when Jesus is walking with him to his house, people are murmuring, verse 7, verse 8, Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore to him fourfold. Now that's in verse 8. So what is, I mean, how immediate was the change? Mm -hmm. How immediate was... All of a sudden, Zacchaeus is over here who was robbing people. Mm -hmm. Now he's with Jesus. He's walking with Jesus. And I think that's a, to me, that's a key. He's walking with Jesus. Yep. And all of a, there's no indication in verse, between verses 7 and 8, whether we read between the lines or not, that Jesus said to him, by the way, you have to, you have to uh, reduce your bankroll by 50%. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't see that here. I don't see Jesus even implying that, or, yeah. or Luke implying that. And one of the reasons I chose Luke to give out this account is because Luke seems to, being a doctor, being a physician, would have a bigger or a, a greater picture of things that were happening around him. Mm -hmm. You know, and he doesn't make any mention of that. So how did Zacchaeus, or why would Zacchaeus, in verse 8, first of all, he calls him Lord, Mm -hmm. which to me is very significant, and immediately it goes and says, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I had taken anything from any man by false accusation, I would store him fourfold. What would cause him to do that? Nothing short of the encounter with God himself. You got it. You got it. And, and isn't it, I mean, I can look at my own life, and when I trusted Christ in my personal Savior, you know, I mean, there were things that happened, like, for me. Now, this is just for me. This doesn't happen to anybody. Just for me. But every time the church doors were open, for whatever reason, I would be there. You know, in fact, my folks would look at me, and they would say, you going to church tonight? Yep. Well, what's tonight? Well, it's prayer meeting now. Oh, what's tonight? It's youth night. What's tonight? Oh, pastor's doing a visitation. I want to go on visitation with him, or whatever the case may be. I just, I couldn't get enough. Mm -hmm. I, I just couldn't get enough of it. And it's almost like that's, you know, when the Holy Spirit of God has grabbed a hold of you, you know, there's going to be a, a remarkable change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can't help but think of 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, Zacchaeus's money didn't mean anything to him. Yep. In fact, he was willing to give it not only to the poor, but also if I have gypped anybody, if I have stolen from anybody, whatever the case, I'm going to give it back fourfold. And again, we're not just talking 10, 15 bucks here. Yeah. You're talking to a man who is very wealthy based on his ability to be a chief tax collector yeah. and so for him and, and he, he's not just offering a bunch of lip service you know it's those three words um, the translation I'm looking at here says uh, Zacchaeus stood up and said the Lord look Lord here and now hmm. I give 
yeah. half of my possessions. I like that, yeah. You know, it's not just, okay, Lord, I'm next week, go with me to my bank and we'll take out the money and I'll give it to the Lord. It's like, no. This very moment, this very time, in front of all these people, I give it. You know, no hesitation. It was a, it was changing his mindset. It was a change in his behavior as well. You know, I just had a thought, Tim, that I think is interesting, and I hope that, that, that you know who, who's watching would find this interesting. Can you imagine Judas standing next to Jesus, being the the treasurer of, mm. and Judas, of course, he was a. And, excuse my language, but he was a scumbag because he was he would take some of the treasury and put it in his own pocket. Mm -hmm. You know, he would line his own pocket, steal from, you know, from what God is doing. So you know that there wasn't any transformation in his heart. But can you imagine just Judas looking and saying, yeah, man, we're, we're going to, we, we've hit the mega load here, mm -hmm. you know, and, and all of this. So, so, you know, you have Zacchaeus who has repented. This is a sign of repentance in yep. verse 8. He, who has repented, yet you have his... Judas Iscariot, who mm -hmm. obviously has not repented, and he's looking at it saying, wow, we've hit the mother load here, you know, kind of a thing. But, you know, Jesus, Jesus worked with them both. Mm -hmm. Jesus, you know, and, and to me that is just so, so amazing. Now, verse 9, this is so interesting. Jesus said to him, now he's focusing all his attention on Zacchaeus. You can, you can understand that there's a multitude of people around probably pressing in on this little house or this place that, that Zacchaeus was living. But Jesus focused on Zacchaeus. I love that about it. Mm -hmm. You know, just think of all the billions of people that have ever lived on this earth, yet Jesus Christ focuses on Harold Noyce, mm -hmm. or focuses on Tim Golden, or focuses on you who are watching. Mm -hmm. His focus is on you. In fact, when he was on the cross, his thought was on you. Mm -hmm. You know, amongst all the billions of people that have ever lived, his thought, him being God, was able to, to put his attention on you. What an amazing God we have. Yep. And God was able to put his attention on Zacchaeus mm -hmm. at this time. So now watch what he says to Zacchaeus. Jesus said to him, this is verse 9 of Luke 19, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, this day is salvation come to this house. So, we know he's not talking about the physical house. We, we know he's not talking about the brick and the mortar or any of that stuff. So, you know, another term would be this household, um, that salvation has come. So, it wasn't only Zacchaeus, was it, that got saved that day? Or was it the household? It'd be like, it be like yeah. the, 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 the uh, guard. Mm -hmm. Remember when, when Paul and them went to the guard's house and he and they washed his washed Paul's sewers and all this? And what does it what does it say? It'd be be the God and his household got saved. Well what you see a lot of times, you know, just even bring it up to current day, um, you know, there's been a lot of research last studies that have been done that if you take a home and this is not meant to be a sexist comment in any yeah. way, shape, or form. But these are what the facts are showing. This is what all the surveys show. Is that if in a family where nobody knows the Lord, and the mother comes to know the Lord, the mother comes to know the Lord. Maybe the kids. 
But more often than not, when the, when the father in the home or the husband in the home, when he comes to know the Lord, the whole family, within a very short period of time, all make professions of faith yeah. in Christ. And so, um, so there's definitely an aspect in which when, you know, with him being the man in the, in the home, him coming to know the Lord, that there was a level of salvation that has now come, that there's been life now that has come into that home. So whether it was the whole family itself getting saved, God's salvation was now present in that home. Yeah. You know, and that could bring a transforming work. Yeah, you know, and once again, I think I think it's 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 so evident that, you know, people have been watching, people knew his life, especially his wife, mm -hmm. his children, his manservant, his yeah. maidservants, all of those. You and you know that he had those because he was a wealthy man. Yeah. And all of a sudden they, they look at him and say, Whoa, what this, this has gotta be real. Mm-hmm. What has happened to this man? Yeah. You know, this is going to be real. In fact, it was very, very interesting. In my high school yearbook, my graduating year, when they asked questions and they did a little profile of each of the graduating seniors, they asked the class, so what is Harold, or the one putting the thing together, uh, what do you think Harold's future is going to be? And they wrote in my yearbook, that he would be doing the work of a Billy Graham. Mm. You know, and I look at that, and, and when I saw that in my yearbook, I, didn't, I had no idea. Uh -huh. When I saw that in my yearbook, I started to weep, thinking, whoa, mm. they have seen that difference mm -hmm. in, in a year's time mm -hmm. that, you know, they know where my heart is. And it's not that you set out to make that appearance to them. Not it at just all. happened. Simil something similar happened to me. And it's like, I just, you know, we did, did Bible studies actually in my school too. Yeah. Uh, during study hall, um, my uh, algebra teacher actually let me do it. Um, but I remember my, I had a social studies teacher and I didn't go around, you know, trying to, you know, Tell everybody they were going to hell or anything like that. I mean, I, I had no... Jesus affected my life, and I didn't mind letting people know right. that. But right. I wasn't going around, you know, beating people up with it. But yeah, I had my social studies teacher even asking me questions. And even her comments in uh, my yearbook were things of, I'm going to miss my Bible interpreter. Yep. Uh, you know, and so... But it's this fact that people see it. It's not that you you feel like you've got to consciously make people aware; they just notice. Yeah, when the real deal has happened. And for Zacchaeus, it's not that he was perfect. I'm not perfect, right. and you're not perfect. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, Ask but, my wife; she'll tell you. <laughs> and but the thing is, is that doesn't mean there's still not huge transformation that's visible right. to everybody around. And but there will, if people have to ask if you're a Christian. Yeah, yeah. Might yeah. be something you might want to think about. <laughs> you know, one of the ways, Tim, that I like reading verse 9, is this, And Jesus said unto him, This day deliverance has come mm -hmm. to your house. Because salvation is really the word deliverance. You have been delivered. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I love that. You have been delivered. What, have I, what, what has Zacchaeus been delivered of? Not only has he been delivered from his eternity in hell to an eternity to heaven, that's a big deliverance, but your house has been delivered. You know, you're going to become a changed person. Mm -hmm. 
you're going to become a person that instead of the people murmuring against you as in verse 8, now they're going to look at you and say, what happened to him? Mm-hmm. You know, what's, what, what has made the difference? Why is he this way? Why is he willing to give this money to the poor? Why is he willing to pay Joe Blow down the street four times what he stole from him? Mm-hmm. Why? You know, yeah. and it's because he has been delivered. Because there's a piece of him that knew he needed some level of salvation. Yep. You know, and that's not a word we use in our normal vernacular, but you know what? In some ways we do. And the, the picture I get of this is something that we're familiar with, and it's this thing called Lifesaver. And I'm not yep. talking the candy that you pop yep. in your mouth. I'm talking about that, that white, little itty-bitty inner tube type thing that you'll see on a boat, right? Yep. And that thing is called Lifesaver. And what happens is, why is that there? Because when somebody falls in and they need rescuing, you throw the lifesaver out. And who grabs it? It's the one that knows that he's ready to drown or that he can't make it. The person that thinks he can swim to shore, he wants nothing to do with the lifesaver. He's just going to go. The one that's going to reach out and grab hold of it is going to be the one that knows he's drowning. And that's kind of what I see happening here. She says, no, today's salvation comes because I came to seek and save that which was lost or that which was drowning in a sense. Zacchaeus had an aspect, whether he called it this or not at the time, he knew he was lost. He knew there was something missing, that something wasn't lining up. There had to be more to life than this. And when he saw Jesus, and he saw the life that Jesus had with him, I want that. He reached up, he grabbed hold of that inner tube, and nothing else mattered, even if he had to let go of all of this to grab hold of it. And he grabbed hold and didn't let go. You know, to me, the, the lifesaver aspect, and, and I, like, I look at it this way, is here you got Zacchaeus drowning in his sin, mm-hmm. in his way of life, and, and in his humanity. Mm-hmm. You have Jesus alongside him in the water, and he says, here, put this on, put me on. Mm-hmm. Put this on. You know, because, I mean, he's, yep. he may be without strength. I mean, he, so we have in verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. I love that term, the Son of Man, because what does that mean about Jesus? Mm-hmm. He's God, but he became like a man. Mm-hmm. You know, he became in his incarnation, putting on flesh, so that you and I could see this salvation, mm-hmm. this deliverer that is absolutely real. Mm-hmm. Now, I told my church last, this past Sunday at church, I said, you know what faith is? Faith is taking the invisible and making it visible. Mm-hmm. I have never seen Jesus face to face. I have never touched him. I haven't handled him in my, with my hands like John and the apostles did and so forth. I haven't done that. But you know something? I know he's alive. Mm-hmm. I know he's real. I have been able to see that the invisible now has become visible to me. If it, whether it's in my heart's eye, whatever, I know that he's there. And that's what Zacchaeus found out. Mm-hmm. That's what Zacchaeus saw. Yeah. I want to go over to First Timothy 1. Yeah. Well, before we go there, go just um, a personal, um, I guess, illustration, if you will, uh, that kind of goes along with this, and which I was thinking about when I was sharing it, but it was kind of really impacting me. Um, I kind of had a chance to live out some of this myself. It was back when I was around 13 years of age, and we were in the... Um, 
don't know what the name of the river was, uh, but it was not a pretty river. In fact, it was a river you d didn't dare go swimming in without your sneakers on. Oh, and uh, <laughs> so we were out there and we were, you know, swimming. We had inner tubes and all that kind of stuff. And I had gotten knocked off. I know because kids do what kids do. And, but I found myself, it's like, okay, it's starting to go down. So I'm swimming towards it. I think I was close enough and I'd reach up to try to grab it. And it just, it, it was close enough for me to touch, but not quite close enough for me to get my hand mm -hmm. up and around and I pushed it further down and that kept happening but what happened was I wasn't the greatest of swimmers and now I've got the weight of these wet shoes on my feet I began to run out of energy really really quickly and all of a sudden I started going under and I'd fight and I finally got back up and I'd start to go down again and it's like I really honestly saw my life go before my eyes because I literally felt every ounce of energy drain from my body. And I was like, I'm done, I, I can't. And, and I, I was screaming out, but, no, no, but none of the others were hearing me. And I was starting to go under. And right as I had just gone under the water for really the last time, I caught enough of a glimpse of another inner tube. And I was able to reach up and my brother was on I grabbed hold of it. Of course, then he starts yelling at me because he's not aware what's really happening. I don't even know if he knows to this day what was happening. But um, but that, I, I was saved. That, that was my lifesaver. Yep. And I'll tell you one thing, when you've come that close to drowning, you never forget that inner tube. Yep, yep. And you are forever grateful for that inner tube. That was 40 some odd years mm -hmm. ago now. And I remember it like it was yesterday, and I cherish that piece of inflatable rubber, yep, <laughs> you know? Yep, yep. And if we feel that way about something inanimate like that, how much more when we're touched by the life of another? And that's the thing, you know, and, and especially the life of that one who is God, mm -hmm. who would come down and seek you and me out, or seek yeah. out each one who is watching and listening, saying, I want you. It's almost like, the, you know, that picture of Uncle Sam. I want you. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I kind of picture God doing that. I want you to come in. I want to look at Paul's life just for a second because so many people think, well, I'm beyond salvation. I have done too many bad things in my life. I had a lady say that to me the other day. I can't get saved because I'm just such a wicked person. And I brought, who, brought her to these portions of Scripture. Listen to what Paul has to say. Chapter 1, 1 Timothy. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful to putting me into the ministry. But this is who I was, who was before a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was injurious. I caused pain. Um, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Folks, Paul the Apostle looked at his life, saw what he was doing, saw how he was persecuting the church, saw, saw how he was even putting church people to death. He was burning churches. He was doing all kinds of things, horrendous things to the church. Yet Jesus Christ sought him out. On the road to Damascus, if you go back to Acts chapter 19, on the road to Damascus, Jesus said these words, Saul, Saul, 
Why do you persecute me? And Paul knew exactly who it was. Who art thou, Lord? And then Jesus answered and said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. You know, and he fell off his horse and he landed face first and just bowed his head, bowed his knee before Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ sought him out. And, and it's really understanding the depth to which he sends us out because that very passage, I, I don't know the number of times going up that I read that and I read it and read it and read it and could quote it forward and backwards. Yep. And always overlook that aspect where Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? me? What Paul was doing is Paul was persecuting Christians. He was killing Christians. But Jesus didn't say, why are you persecuting those of my flock? Or why are you persecuting my children? He said, why are you persecuting me? What was done to his children, it was as though you did it to him directly. Yeah. I mean, he has that level of ownership. He's, when he seeks somebody out, it's not just seeking out an individual, it's seeking them out to become one with them, in a sense. You know, you know God had that very same thought in the Old Testament towards the Jews. You know, when, you know, you know if, you, if you persecute my people, you know, you will be persecuted. Why? Because you are persecuting my people. It's the same way now with Christians. Mm -hmm. Those who are persecuting Christians, and there's a lot of persecution against Christianity these days, not only around the world, but even in America. You have to be careful because Jesus will say the same thing he said to Paul. Why are you persecuting me? Mm -hmm. You know, when people persecute me or say things against me or whatever because of my Christianity, I don't take it personally. Why? Because I know that they're doing it against Christ. Yeah. They're doing it against him. You know, Jesus Christ came to seek. He came to seek you out. Just as he sought out Tim and me. Mm -hmm. He came to seek you out. But he came to seek you out with a purpose, with an agenda. And that agenda is to save you. To send you the lifesaver of himself. To snatch you. I love, I, I love uh, the Jude. In Jude, I think it's around verse 24 or something, where Jude says, and plucking them from the fire. Mm -hmm. Or in your case, plucking you out of the river. Yep. You know, and, and that's exactly what Jesus Christ came to do. He came to pluck us out mm -hmm. and to draw us to his bosom. I hope you know Jesus Christ is your personal mm -hmm. Savior. And if not, today, right now, you can say, Jesus, come into my life, save me. I know that I'm a sinner. I know I'm not worthy. But Lord, I ask you to come in. And you know what he'll say? Gladly. I, I invite myself into your house, which is your body. You are now a temple of God. We are a temple yeah. of God. Well, like you know, I love that verse at the end of what it is that you shared there. He said, but for this very reason, I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners, stating that again, yeah. Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe yeah. on him. Yeah. Unlimited patience. I just love that. And you know something, Tim? I know you. And I know me. And God has to be very patient with oh, the two no of us. Kidding. <laughs> we want to thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. We pray that it was beneficial for you. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for another episode of Life on Main. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website at lifeonmain.org. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifeonmain where you can learn about upcoming events and find links to videos of these broadcasts and sermons. You can also view our sermons on our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash lifeonmain 
with each of those words capitalized. Thanks for listening to Life on Main, and may God bless you.